we don't see points on a map. They aren't just places to us. We see stories of lives living without the hope found in Jesus. Today, somewhere between the Great Commission and the Great Multitude, we find ourselves facing the world's greatest problem, lostness. Even in the midst of natural disasters, humanitarian crises, and political instability, Southern Baptists send IMB missionaries to give their lives to the lost, living amongst those who have never heard the gospel. People in hard-to-reach places, people in cities, and those who are dispersed and displaced around the world. At the IMB, we believe that missionary presence cultivates gospel access. Gospel access that knows no geographic or social boundary. We believe that missionary presence fuels gospel belief. And we see the results. We see lives transformed, generations forever changed, and churches planted. Local expressions of the church that take ownership and thrive. God has made our purpose clear. Together, we seek to take the gospel to every nation, to all tribes, to all peoples, to all languages. We don't see places on a map. We see our place in fulfilling the Great Commission. This is our mission. This is your mission. And we are reaching the nations together. Amen. Well, God is good. And all the time. Amen. Well, that video that we just saw was from the IMB, which is the International Mission Board, part of the Southern Baptist Convention. During the month of December, we take up an offering called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And you can see in the seat back pockets in front of you, you have uh, cards there or envelopes that you can give towards that. You know, as I shared with you last week, I had the opportunity to see firsthand what was going on with the IMB by spending time with one of the missionaries over in uh, a foreign country. And I was so impressed with the accountability, so impressed with uh, the focus, so impressed with the plans that they had, that they were going forth and sharing in the villages and, and seeing the church grow and, and recognizing that it's all about uh, helping the indigenous people to continue forward right where they are. And so my prayer this year is that we would, as a church, sponsor one missionary on the field. And that costs about $60,000. So if you want to give towards uh, this goal, you can place that in the uh, offering at the uh, end of the service. Uh, at the end of the time of worship, and you can place that in there, and it will go towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I do have a few other announcements for you. Uh, Carols by Candlelight is this Saturday, uh, coming up on the 10th and the 11th. Love for you to come and be a part. Brother, Ran- uh, Brother Randy, Brother Aaron has asked you to... Brother Randy's not our music pastor, praise the Lord. Uh, Brother Aaron has asked that you invite your friends, your family, those who don't know Christ, because we're going to be singing about and proclaiming the gospel uh, on December 10th and the 11th at 6 p.m. No tickets are required. We're also going to have cookies and cocoa afterwards. Uh, and so you can... Uh, 
If you would like to be a part of that, the women's ministry is going to be hosting this right in the breezeway behind the worship center on the 10th and the 11th. If you would like to help by providing cookies, you can go to the events table in the back in the lobby and you can sign up there if you would like to bring some cookies for that. We'll have that on both the 10th and the 11th. Also, is that right? Yes. Okay. I want to make sure I got that right. So we also have our deacon nominations um, that I have met with. You can see them on, uh, they are in your bulletin. Uh, We'll affirm them on Sunday, December 11th. You may say, David, where's the bulletin? We do that uh, through email on Fridays. You can sign up for that, but you can also get that list uh, at the back. Let me just read off the names of those who have been nominated. David Adams, Tim Anderson, Richard Atwell, Willie Dunham, Gary Gable, Gary Greeno, Kendall Jordan, Bill McDonald, John Raglan, Roger Skipper, and Marcus Young. And so next week we'll have a time to affirm them uh, coming on as deacons. Also, our 2023 budget, uh, proposed budget, is available in the back. You can get that on this blue form. Uh, If you have any questions about this proposed budget that has gone through the finance committee and shared with the deacons, you can go and talk with Martin, ask him any questions. He has all the answers. Um, But we will affirm our proposed 2023 budget next week. So if you want to get this in the back on your way out today, and also you'll find a green sheet out there that gives you the October financial report. Uh, You may ask, David, when do we have a business meeting? Well, this is our uh, business meeting. It gives you the financial reports. It also shows you on the back those who have come into membership here at Luke 418 uh, Fellowship. And so if you would like that, that's in the back as well. One more announcement. Grand Monday night is tomorrow from 630 to 730 in the youth room. It is an incredible opportunity for you to learn, to grow together, to be in community together, to, to help as you are pouring into your grandchildren, pouring in the gospel, being there for them. And so this is just a wonderful opportunity. Love for you to be a part. And that is tomorrow, 630 to 730. Also want to share before we go to the Lord in prayer, thank you so much for praying for me this past week. Many of you know that I've been very ill, um, but God has uh, uh, continued to bring about recovery and health in my life. Uh, I'm about 80% better, so keep praying. Um, You know, many people ask me what happened. Many of y'all have heard that uh, at first they thought I had malaria, but ultimately I had uh, some bacterias and things that came from the water uh, from where we were in, in another country. Um, with that being said, I want to remind you that the scripture says that this is a light and temporary trial. It has nothing in comparison to what God has done and what he's doing where we were just a few weeks ago. And so may we not be discouraged and may we continue to trust the Lord as we move forward. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, we praise your holy name and we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Father, I pray right now that as we begin this time of worship, this corporate worship together, I pray that we would have hearts that are pure and clean before you. Father, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in your holy place but who has clean hands and a pure heart? And so, Father, today as we dwell on this understanding that hope has come through your son Jesus we rejoice and we want you to be glorified and lifted high today 
So Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I forgot to share with you, but Brother Aaron is sick today. And so today we have Josh Trimble, who is uh, going to be leading us today. So Josh, take us away. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's a, it's it's a dual Jimmy. thing. It's a dual thing. I was told Josh, so Jimmy, you are... Well, it's both. Well, this is it's awesome. Both. It's Praise both. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Praise must go on. We can't have a something like a little sickness to stop it. Do please pray for Brother Aaron. We need him. We need him so badly coming up with these uh, performances. Well, it's that time of year, is it not? When we start uh, celebrating our Savior's birth. It's the season and Jesus is the reason. Amen? Amen. Stand with us as we sing Angels from the Realm of Glory. Amen. Angels from the Everybody, go tell it on the mountain. We don't have any mountains in Mobile, but we do have, you know, Cottage Hill, Spring Hill, but in the valleys, in the plains, on the river, proclaim Jesus is born. Amen. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ Shepherds kept their watching for the signs by night. Behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. 
be seated, please. Brother. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus' name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Show me who you are 
one of the old songs that we remember and uh, love so dearly, the Lamb of God. Remember Twyla Paris singing that years ago? Blesses my heart still now just as it did then. Amen. Sing with us. Your only son, no sin to hide, but you have set him from your side to walk upon this guilty son and to become the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I was so lost, I should have died. But you have brought me to your side to be led by your staff and rod and to be called the Lamb of God. That's our prayer this morning. Wash us in your precious blood. The only price that ever could pay the ransom debt that stood in front of us. Lord, we were so lost with no hope. But Lord, we know that there is hope and that hope has a name. And that name is Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for sacrificing your precious life, shedding your precious blood to save ones like us. Lord, we look around and we say, that person's not worth anything. We look at another and say, boy, they don't have any worth. But remember, the worth of every man is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he paid for. Every man. Every man in Southeast Asia, in Europe, and in Africa, and South America, and North America, every soul that's ever lived and ever will, you paid that price that we might live forever with you. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.
What a wonderful song. Hope has a name, and the name is Jesus. You know, we sang before that my favorite Christmas song of all times. For those who have been here know that that is Go Tell It on the Mountain. And I, I just love that song. I, I understand that it's not the most popular Christmas song, but I love the song because it tells us that we're called to go. And where are we to go? We're to go everywhere and to proclaim. And what are we to proclaim? That hope has a name. Church, we must share with all those around in our city that hope has a name and that name is Jesus. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open up to Isaiah Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to be in verse 6 and 7. And we're going to see the name of this hope in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. As you're turning there, I want to ask, have you ever longed for or hoped for something at Christmas? Now, for some of the kids that are sitting in the room, they probably already have a list this long, right? Of things that they're hoping for for Christmas. Maybe you longed for a particular toy or a doll, or for those who listen to Christmas music, it may be in Run Run Rudolph that uh, you want a rock and roll electric guitar, right? You may have wanted a piece of jewelry, all these different things that you hoped for as a kid. I, I love Christmas movies, and in the Santa Claus, the second one, he goes to Tim Allen, who is Santa Claus, goes to the, uh, the, the faculty Christmas party. And it is like everybody's standing around and, and it is, it's just a dud. Like nobody wants to be there. And what does he do? He starts pulling out with his Christmas magic, he starts pulling out toys that they longed for and hoped for when they were a kid. And all of a sudden, the room just, just brightened up, and it was just an exciting, amazing time. What's that one toy? What's that one thing that you hoped for and longed for? For me, it was a Super Nintendo. Now, I don't even know if they make those anymore, but I longed and hoped for a Super Nintendo. I remember sharing with my parents that how, how much I wanted the Super Nintendo. And these famous words from my dad, he always said, David... It doesn't hurt to want. And I was like, well, I want it really badly. Like, it, it hurts. Like, but one Christmas, I got it. My parents gave my sister and I a Super Nintendo to split between the two of us. Now, it just so happens it's still at my house today. But I couldn't believe it. I had uh, at least half of a real Super Nintendo I was exuberant. The joy, the excitement on this young kid's face when he got that Super Nintendo. Little did I know that I had to spend $45 to buy games for that Nintendo. But the joy, the excitement when I received that. And parents, we all know that we love seeing that joy and excitement on the kids and grandkids. Faces when they receive something that they were hoping for, that they were longing for. But you know, this is the season of Advent. The expectant waiting on the Messiah. The nation of Israel had been waiting for years for the promised Messiah. They had hoped that he would come soon. Can you fathom the joy on the wise men when they 
followed the star and saw the hoped-for, long-awaited Messiah. It even says in Matthew 2.10 that they rejoiced exceedingly when the star stopped over the child. What about the shepherds? The lowliest of the people out in the fields. And all of a sudden the angels come and give the greatest birth announcement the world has ever known. They said, let us go straight there. Like, we don't need to get cleaned up. We don't need to pass go. We just need to go straight to this area. They get there and they see the child and and they're speaking of what's happened and, and everybody was in wonder and awe of what they were saying. And they left there doing what? Rejoicing. Praising God. Giving glory to the Father. The long-awaited Messiah, the hope of the nations, this hope has come. And His name, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. But in Isaiah 9, chapter 6-7, through 7, we see more names of this hope. It says this, picking up in Isaiah 9, 6-7, through 7, it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Let us pray. Father, as we look at this passage today, illuminate the pages through the Holy Spirit. May it be placed in our hearts that we may hear and walk in obedience of your word. And Father, I pray as we just spoke of that great Christmas song that we would go and share with the world that hope has a name. Lord, we love you and praise you for it's in your name. Amen. Church, Isaiah was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. More than any other book in the Old Testament, Isaiah focuses on the salvation and the hope that will come through the Messiah. Today I want us to see in verse 6 mainly these four names that we see of this hope that we see of Jesus. But before we look at these four names, I want us to see at the very beginning of verse 6. This is very, very important. It says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Now, oftentimes in the reading of the Christmas story or in different plays, you hear that and it just kind of, you just gloss over it. But do you realize that in these, in these words right here, we see that Jesus will be fully man and fully God. Look at this for a moment. A child will be born. How is a child born, right? We see the humanity of Christ. But it says this, a son will be what? Given. Who gave of his son? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his son. Church, we see here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the foretelling of the virgin birth. 
that Jesus would be placed in the womb of a woman and that he would be born as a child. A child will be born, but a son will be given. Jesus was given by God. Church, when we celebrate Christmas, if you lose the fact that he was born of a virgin, then we don't have a Savior. You must recognize that we can't have Savior without the virgin birth. If Jesus would have been born by the conception of one man and one woman, he would have been born into sin and he would have deserved death just as you and me. But Jesus was born of a virgin. As we see in the scriptures, his father is God. He's fully human and he's fully God. We see his deity in this moment. And then we see these names that come forth in Isaiah 6 or Isaiah 9 verse 6. It says, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, or Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. So let's look at this first name, Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. The word wonderful in the Hebrew means extraordinary nature or even difficult to comprehend. Counselor means to advise or to give counsel. Let's look at wonderful for a moment. Jesus was wonderful in so many ways. If the word wonderful means extraordinary in nature and even difficult to understand, we can say that Jesus was wonderful in so many ways in his life. I had the privilege and the honor to go to children's camp this past summer. And at children's camp, the theme was awe and wonder. Do you realize that Jesus' life was filled with awe and wonder? Think about this for a second. He is wonderful counselor in his birth. Are we not in awe and wonder of the fact that Jesus stepped down, Philippians 2, from his throne to come forth and be here on this earth with us? Are we not in awe and wonder in the life that he lived and the miracles that he did? Think about this. The blind see. The deaf, deaf hear. Right? We could sing the song, Mary, do you know, right? The, the, the lame leap, the, the dead rose again. In awe and wonder, do we fall in awe and wonder of what Jesus has done? What about his teaching? Are we in awe and wonder of his teaching? Go back to Matthew 5, you don't have to flip there, but in Matthew 5, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And what did Jesus say? You've heard it say, but I say, Jesus spoke with authority and he taught with authority. Awe and wonder in his life. What about his resurrection? Church, I still get Holy Ghost goosebumps whenever I think about the Golgotha plays as a kid watching those. I still get Holy Ghost goosebumps when I start thinking about the smoke rising up and and all of a sudden you can hear the the, the drums making that like earthquake noise and then all of a sudden the, the stone goes to roll away and the light shining out of that tomb with the smoke rising and Jesus comes walking out and the place erupts with cheer and excitement. 
Has following God become so mundane to us that we've lost the awe and wonder of what God has done? Has it become so mundane that that we just live our life and we forget to look and see the awe and wonder of God all around us? Brother Randy and I and Daniel got to experience this awe and wonder while we were on our trip overseas. We were on our way home and we were in this really large, large airport. And I don't say that sarcastically. It really was a huge airport. I'll share more about the location all that on Wednesday night. But we were at this airport and we had an eight-hour layover, which is not fun. And when you have an eight-hour layover, the one thing you want is some type of comfort, right? I mean, you do, but at this airport, if you are inside there before three hours, they kick you out and make you stand and wait outside until it's three hours before your flight. And we were like, okay, Lord, give us favor. Lord, show us a way. Direct us. And we walked past this guy, and I, I, I don't know if it was me, Daniel, or Randy, but in my spirit, I said, we've got to talk to this guy. And I think Daniel walked, I can't remember, but one of us walked over and said, hey, we're looking for what they call a sleep room there that gives you like place to just rest. And this guy said, hey, you're on flight so-and-so, and named the number of the flight. And I was like, okay, like this, how does this guy know what flight we're on? He said, come with me. So we start walking. I think Randy let him carry his luggage. <laughs> but we start walking. All of a sudden, we come up to a military checkpoint. I kid you not, there is a military person, one standing there with like, uh, anyways, it was, it was a military checkpoint. And he pulls out this book and he says, I need you to sign your name on this book. Well, none of us speak the language. And he said, oh, I just need your first name. I was like, okay, so I just put my first name. And all of a sudden he said, okay. And he walked us through the, the wrong way through a military checkpoint, took us to this room that was very inexpensive where we got to rest, sleep, and it was all the food you could eat, had a shower, had a place to lay down, and he said, what time? Wait, he didn't ask us that. He already knew our flight. He said, I will be back to get you. And I will take you back to where you need to be. At 1130 at night, he shows up. He said, come on, let's go. And he takes us through the checkpoints and all these different places until we get to ultimately our place to check in and go through customs and all of that. You say, that sounds like a really cool story. Let me just tell you, that's the awe and wonder of our God. I personally think that this guy wasn't real. He was an angel. That God placed there for a purpose and for a reason. Maybe it was just so that, that we could rest and not be too crazy getting back home with no sleep for 48 hours. But God, in His mercy and His grace, church, that is the awe and wonder of our God. Are we so focused on just doing this and doing that that we miss all that God is doing? When we read the Christmas story at this time of year, are we in awe and wonder of the fact that Jesus, the Messiah, stepped down and came as a child here on this earth and walked this earth? so that you and I could have life. 
But Isaiah continues on. He says not only is he wonderful, but he's the wonderful counselor. Particularly, he's saying he's wonderful in awe in his counsel. He gives us wisdom that is beyond human understanding. Church, do we turn to Jesus, who is the wonderful counselor for guidance and direction? Or we turn to social things? I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, wisdom is defined this way. The skills to achieve the most perfect end by the most perfect means. Ooh. Let me just say it again. The skills to achieve the most perfect end by the most perfect means. He goes on. He says, wisdom is the ability to see the end from the beginning, to see everything in proper relation and in full focus. If he's truly wonderful, which he is, and he's truly our counselor, which he is, then church, we can trust what God speaks into our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 to the end, but we won't read all of it. Jesus, God, is speaking through Paul, and he, he tells him that the wisdom of God is greater than the foolishness of man. You can go home and you can read about this, that, that the Gentiles, they, they wanted this wisdom, but God, but, but he was pleased by the preaching and the foolishness. Why? Because God's wisdom is greater than man. God's wisdom is infinite. Can you imagine if God's wisdom was only 97%? 98%? You could say 99.9%. Do you know what would happen for us if we thought that God's wisdom was anything short of 100% and infinite? We would be worried and fearful of that one other percent. What does God not know? What does he not know that's happening? What is, he, what, what, what is bigger than him? Nothing, church. So when he gives us counsel and he gives us wisdom and he gives us guidance, we can follow it. We can trust it. He has our best means, our best uh, uh, plans in mind. He has what's best for us in mind, church. So who do you seek your wisdom from? Do you trust God's counsel by following his word? Or do we simply look over things that we don't want to have to deal with? Let us remember that God knows best even when you think you have a better or an easier way than what the Word tells us. He truly is the wonderful counselor. Hope has a name. He is the mighty God. Mighty means showing great power. Obviously, we know what God means. Deity, King of kings, Lord of lords. He has the strength to take on the task lay before him. He has all power. Jesus shows his strength throughout his life. Just living a sinless life shows the power that Jesus had. He commanded demons to flee, and what did they say? I'm out of here. I can't, I can't stay. They even, they even begged him, send us into the pigs. The demons had to flee in the name of Jesus. He commanded Satan to get behind him. And Satan had no place to stand in that moment because Jesus has all the power. He commanded the winds to obey him. 
We saw that he followed the will of the Father in the garden. And we saw the power by him walking out of the tomb. Church, he is the mighty God. Psalm 24, 8 says, Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Knowing that our hope is in the mighty God changes how we live our lives. Let me just say that again. Knowing that our hope is in the mighty God changes how we live our lives. We don't fear what man can do to us. Church, we continue to follow God even in the midst of persecution or the threat of disease or pestilence. Martin Luther wrote this. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. He wrote this letter about somebody asking if he needed to leave in the midst of a disease, a plague that was happening. He said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus uh, inflicted and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he shall surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbors need me, however, I shall not avoid the places or the person, but will go freely as stated above. What did he say? He said, I'm not going to fear the pestilence. I'm not going to fear what could happen to me. I'm not going to walk uh, in neglect, but I'm not going to fear these things. I'm going to go and be there for people and share the love of Christ. Why? He truly believed that the mighty God could protect him. That God could protect him. You say, but David, what about you? You just came back from this country and, and you were sick. I was even in the hospital Tuesday night getting fluids. And you say, well, did God protect you? Absolutely. Let me tell you, by God's grace, I was in the States when I got my first symptom of what happened. You say, but David, what about all the trials that you walked through? Let me tell you, God is teaching me and growing me in the midst of it. And I pray that he's also growing each of us in the midst of it. That we would not fear even the pestilence and the, the, the disease and all these different things of going forth to proclaim the gospel. Our God is bigger than it all. And he's called us to go. Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. That hope has a name. Church, we cannot fear. We must have hope in the mighty God. Then he continues on. He says, not only is he the wonderful counselor and mighty God, but he is the eternal father. Eternal means lasting forever. Hebrews 13 verse 8 tells us what? That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no end to his kingdom. Let me just say that again. We just had an election period. Everybody was like, I don't know if it... If it came out the way I wanted it, or this or that, or maybe this should have happened, that should have happened. Listen, God's kingdom will not end. God's still on the throne. There was no election in heaven. And for me, as a born-again believer, that's all that matters in my life. Now you may say, but David, 
you know, we, we need to be concerned about all that's happening in our nation. Absolutely, I'm concerned, but I'm more concerned about going and telling the gospel to all those around us. Because you can change the politics, but it doesn't change the heart of people. It says this in verse 7 right here in Isaiah 9. It's, it's, so he says he's the eternal father. And then it says this, that he's going to establish, or it says on the throne. Let me just start over in verse 7. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness for then on and how often? Forevermore. Church, Nothing can dethrone Jesus. Nothing. Do you truly believe that he is the everlasting father? That nothing, as we saw in the book of Daniel, that there is nothing that can take away his kingdom. It will stand forever. That's our hope, church, is that the kingdom of God will be forever. This is temporal. We're in a temporal body. Some say amen. We're going to be with Christ for eternity. His kingdom shall reign for eternity. But what's really interesting is that it says eternal father. And oftentimes when we think of father, we think of God the father. Now, there's two ways you can look at this. First off, we see the the trinity, right? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. Now, you try to to understand that in a human brain, it's really, really difficult. But we walk by faith, not by sight, right? The Scripture tells us that, that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. So we see that when he speaks of eternal father, that that's one of the ways uh, that that you can see this. The other thing, though, is, is that an earthly king leaves their people after a short reign. But Jesus will reign over and bless them forever. You say, what do you mean by that? Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of the church. He will be the eternal head of the church. He is eternal. Nothing will take him away from that position. He will lead us and guide us. We are trusting in him eternally to lead us and guide us, church. He is the eternal Father. Then we see, not only is He a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an eternal Father, but He's the Prince of Peace. Prince means leader, commander, prince over. And peace, we all know that that means peace. The shalom, the the peace of God. He is our peace. Church, the reason that he is the Prince of Peace is because through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, he paid our sacrifice upon the cross and rose again on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave so that we could be made right with God, that we could have peace with God. Foundationally, meaning of peace is this. Spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. 
Jesus is the Prince of Peace because He's the one who is the sacrifice. He's the one that went to the cross, not deserving the death, but took the death that we deserved upon the cross. That's why He is the Prince of Peace. Look at Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You could say it this way. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Church, we must recognize that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and He is the only Prince of Peace. The only way that you can have peace with the Father is by surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I say this often and I'll say it again because it's in the Word of God and I love quoting Scripture. John 14, 6 says, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He says, except through me. The only way for you to find true peace with God is by finding that through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. I love those bumper stickers that say, N-O, no peace, or excuse me, N-O, Jesus, N-O, peace. So no Jesus, no peace. But then there's those that have K-N-O-W, Jesus, K-N-O-W, peace. So no Jesus, no peace. I probably should have had that up on the screen for you. But because we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, God then places His Holy Spirit in our hearts to lead us and give us everything that we need for life and godliness. See, when we yield to the Holy Spirit that's dwelling within us, not only do we have peace with God, but one of the fruit that come forth from our life, from the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace. He's the Prince of Peace, and it's the only way that we can have peace with the Father, but it's also the only way that we can have peace with one another. The only way that we have peace together here in this room, unity is by the Holy Spirit doing it in and through us. That's the reason why when the world looks at the church, they should see something totally different that they've never seen before. Unity, peace, love, joy. Caring for one another in a way that the world can't understand. Listen, the world will care for one another as long as it doesn't bring too much uh, detriment to their own uh, ability to do things. But church, we're called to lay everything down for one another. Think of others more than ourselves because we've laid it down before God. And we've given it to Him. But here it is, it goes even further than that. It says that when we, have, when we have peace, we have peace with one another. We're filled by the Holy Spirit and that peace goes forth not just here in this room with one another, but it also goes forth as we share the gospel with others. We're called to take the peace of God to the world. How do we do that? By sharing the good news. As we see all throughout the scriptures. We have peace with God through the Holy through Christ, we have peace with each other and we have peace with others as we share the gospel all through the power of the Holy Spirit that comes forth by Jesus Christ. You know, 
we live in a society that is looking for hope in so many ways. When I was a kid, my hope was in a Super Nintendo. I longed for it. I wanted it badly. But can I tell you that I eventually grew out of it? I still have it. It's in my closet in a box. But I grew out of it and I got into a new stage of life and it it didn't satisfy me any longer. I needed something else. It wasn't as amazing as they advertised on TV. It became old and used. Church, I asked you at the beginning, how many of you had something that you longed for and desired for? And if you got it, yes, there was that temporary excitement. That was that temporary happiness. You were probably enjoying it for, for a time, but now it's long forgotten. Because what you hoped for was in something that can never fully satisfy you. But see, the hope that came 2,000 years ago is still the wonderful counselor, is still the mighty God, is still the everlasting Father, is still the Prince of Peace. Because the hope that came 2,000 years ago has a name, and His name is Jesus, the Son of the living God, who stepped down so that you and I could have peace with God. He is truly the only living hope. So my question to you today, if Jesus is the only hope, He's the only living hope, He's the only thing that will truly satisfy our heart's desire, the question is this, what are we going to do to share with others over this Christmas season where they will find true hope? Because the world is looking for a hope in success. They're looking for hope and and joy in their marriage. They're looking for hope and joy in athletics. And all the things that are going to come out even today with the top four teams and all this. They're looking for hope and joy in all these places. But we know that none of those will fulfill them. Church, will we share that hope has a name? It's the wonderful counselor. It's the eternal father, the mighty God, the prince of peace. His name is Jesus. It's very easy to go through this season in the hustle and bustle and miss it. I love what was said while I was in South Asia. They said, we love the Christmas season. We love the Christmas season. And I was like, why? And they said, because it's the season that we get to share the most about the gospel. Because so many people want to know. Want to know why are we celebrating this? What's going on? We can open up even the more and share. And I thought to myself, in America, I don't know if that's the same. Because it became very commercialized. Church, let's go share with our city that hope has a name. His name is Jesus.